Good evening, saints of God. Good evening to the School of Prosperity class. The Lord bless you. Um, the Lord's grace continue to be with you. It is my utmost desire that you you keep excelling. You keep on growing. You keep on operating with the wisdom of God. God continues to help you. We are praying for you. We believe that in all things, it shall be well with you. It shall be well with you. Um, one thing you need to realize is living as a believer is daily. It's day to day. Our Sundays and our gathering are very important because they are times of gathering to honor God. They are times of empowerment, times of refreshing, times of hearing from God, receiving from God, times of getting help from God, times of being filled with the Spirit. They are very, very important. But those times, they position us to be better believers day to day. So in this time when we haven't gathered physically, but in the spirit we remain connected as the body of Christ, just remember that every service you attended and every word which was taught to you, every grace received was meant for you to be victorious during these times. It was meant for you to be overcoming during these times. It was meant for you to be sailing through spiritually at a very high level during these times. It is not good for a believer's spiritual level to drop just because they have not attended Sunday services. A spiritual level of a believer should always be continually growing upward and the gathering on Sundays is part of that upward growth, that upward development of the believer. Don't use the absence of Sunday services for casualness, for laziness, for dropping down of kingdom morals, for dropping down of godly standards. You are not a good and a strong believer only because you attend services. Services are a place where we are refueled, we, 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 we are worked on, we are helped, we receive ammunition to go and win the war and win the battle, which is in life. So everything you have been receiving, every conference you attended, every service you were part of, you are receiving daily. You're receiving strength for daily living. Now is the time it is proved. Did you receive? Were you paying attention? Is the word which you received working in your day to day? So I just thought I should share that with you so that you know that you have no excuse. Your kingdom standards, your godly standards, your godliness should not go down, but rather you should be moving on the fuel you received to sail through this season. Prayer must be continuous. Study of the word must be continuous. 
as a child of God and as a responsible believer. Father, I pray that you grant the hearers understanding, grant your students, your disciples, the ability to perceive, the ability to receive knowledge, and the ability to work with that knowledge. May that divine information which I shall be passing on be fruitful in their hearts and not only in their hearts also in their lives i thank you for the opportunity to share this knowledge in jesus name amen we're going to continue um with our lessons our school of prosperity lessons this is our fourth <clears throat> lesson we'll read first from matthew chapter number six verse number 19 and yesterday we concluded on saying that times of financial uncertainty um, times of famine they come hiding behind occurrences and events they come hiding behind occurrences situation situations and events we're going to read matthew chapter number six verse 19 from the isv version and it's not a contradiction in any way of some other wisdom which we will give you in later lessons but um we will bring context to everything verse 19 says stop storing up treasures for yourselves on the earth where moth or moths and rust destroy and where thieves break in BBE says, make no store of wealth for yourself on the earth where it may be turned to dust by worms and weather and where thieves may come in by force to take it away. Easy English says, do not have many valuable things here in the world. Here there are insects and water that can destroy them. There are also men who can come into your house. They can rob you of all those things. ISV version again, stop storing, storing up treasures for yourselves on earth where moths and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. I'll start off by asking a question which I'll answer. Is Jesus saying you must not have store of treasure? No. What Jesus is saying is that don't have store of treasure which you will end up placing your trust in more than God. He juxtaposes storing up treasure on earth and storing up treasure in heaven. 
And what he's talking about is where your heart will be. Because Jesus also said, for where a man's treasure is, or where a man's heart is, there his treasure will be also. So if your heart is on your treasure, if rather your treasure, if your heart is only focused on earthly things, then you will find that your treasure will follow where your heart is. But if you handle finances with a kingdom and an eternal mindset, then your heart, your treasure will follow rather also. If your heart is flowing with an eternal mindset, then you will find your treasure will flow also in the way you manage it with an eternal mindset. So when Jesus is saying stop storing up or don't store up treasures for yourselves on earth where moths and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, he is not talking about not keeping or not having resources on the earth. He is rather referring to not having, not storing in order to place your trust in what you store. Because you can then have so much trust and confidence in what you have that your heart is moved away from God. Now, Jesus raises three issues in that scripture, in that verse, in that text. And he says, here on earth, your treasures are exposed to moths. And they are exposed to rust. And they are exposed to thieves. He's saying your treasures on earth are under influences which are always looking to reduce, to decay, to break down, to devalue, to depreciate them. <laughs> In other words, Jesus is saying, if there are things on val of value on the earth, they are always going to be under external forces and influences which reduce or take away from their value. Currencies shift in value daily, whether upward or downward. Gold shifts in value time and again. Silver shifts in value time and again. Company stock share prices, they shift in value. Cryptocurrencies shift in value. When Jesus is talking about the moths, the rust and the thieves, He's highlighting that on earth there are always going to be external influences which attack value. 
they are going to be always external influences which attack value. When you are working, when you are laboring, when you are investing, what you are looking for is value in return. You are releasing value in the form of your service, releasing value in the form of your knowledge, your expertise, your skill, your labor, your product, whatever it is you are selling or putting in the marketplace, you are releasing value. But in turn for the value you release, you are looking to get back value. So that value which you get back, because it is value operating or value on the earth, it is operating under earthly and worldly influences. And those influences either add to or reduce to the medium or the form of value which you are after. It may primarily be money. So Jesus is saying, if you want to trust in storing up wealth, be careful. Because in storing up wealth, you are storing it up in a system which can reduce the value of what you have gradually or is or suddenly and instantly. You can find what you thought was valuable, it reduces in value. So you must understand the mechanisms of environments. We're going again to physical location because different physical locations have different influences that impact on the flow of value in those territories. Now, so I'll say that again, different physical territories are exposed to different influences that impact on, let's say, the value of money in those territories. That's why, not, that's why obviously, most currencies have different value levels. The currency in Japan, China, the United States, in Canada, they are valued differently. They are valued independently because of the confluence or the gathering of territorial influences which pertain to those different geographical territories. So what influences things in America 
may not necessarily influence things in Japan. What influences things in Canada may not have a bearing on what influences the value of money in China. So understanding the different moths, rusts, forms of moths, rust and thieves which operate in economies because to maintain value you must know that you are fighting against what wants to take away value you are fighting against what wants to take away value now the danger which we began to look at of lack the danger of financial instability is that in certain cases it is not openly presenting its presence it's not easily discernible It may come after a certain season or it may come suddenly. But however and whenever it comes, it doesn't openly announce itself always to say, guys, I am financial instability and I am coming in two weeks. So seasons like that, they have to be discerned. But besides being discerned, you just have to be prepared for seasons of instability because you never know when they may manifest. So there is a lifestyle which is always prepared for the unexpected. Because most of you right now, you are living a lifestyle determined by what you are seeing a lifestyle determined by your present level of comfort by your present guarantees of income uh, by your present environment where you, where you have managed to secure a form of consistent income a form of consistent um, financial operation Now, because of that consistency, you are no longer exercising extra preparedness beyond the lifestyle you or the environment which is around you now. Adam was told he had to tend the garden and keep it keep it and he was told there was a certain tree in the middle of the garden and he was never supposed to eat of that fruit and one day the serpent came and we all know what happened which tells us that remember 
God never told Adam the serpent, the devil is going to come using the serpent. God gave Adam instructions. And that one instruction was never going to keep the devil from coming. Him keeping the instruction was never going to keep the devil from coming. The devil was going to come. But when the devil was going to come, God gave Adam a strategy of preparedness to handle the coming of the serpent. And behind the event of the eating of the fruit, the man lost the garden environment. The man lost a location where prosperity was consistent. The man lost a location where prosperity was prevalent. Because instability will never advertise its coming always. It will come in the form of a serpent which invites you to eat. Can you see that from consumption of what one was not supposed to consume, Adam and Eve entered into a time of toil, labor, and instability. They now were supposed to eat through excessive hard work. Whilst the things were much easier in the location of the garden. They ate what they were not supposed to eat. And when they ate it, it invited their exit from a certain location which contained their prosperity and they entered into another location they entered now into an environment outside the garden and in that environment of course in the in the changed environment because of the presence of sin they now began to see the operation of environmental limitations. Now thorns are being talked about. Briars are being talked about. When he, when he was never seeing thorns in the garden, he's now seeing thorns outside of the garden. So, instability financially will never advertise itself to say i am coming in two weeks it has to be descend but even if you don't descend it it just has to be prepared for live a life which prepares you for eventualities To the best of your ability, live a life which prepares you for eventualities. If Egypt, I want us to look at Egypt. Egypt 
was prospering. It was doing well. And as they were doing well, I want you to think about this. I want you to think about this. They were prospering. They were doing well. But there is something I need you to learn. Joseph, after he interpreted a season which spanned 14 years, seven years of prosperity, seven years of famine, seven years of prosperity, seven years of famine, he interpreted for a 14-year period for a nation. And he gave them wisdom of how to operate during the first seven years and subsequently the next seven years. But I need you to get this. If Pharaoh and those whom he was working with in his administration had a policy that of every harvest we receive, we preserve year on year 20%. If he had an existing policy of preserving that which the nation would have harvested year by year, they would, been, they would have had little room for the first advice of Joseph. There would only have been room for the interpretation of what Pharaoh saw. Why? The administration would have primarily been prepared I don't know if you're getting me. There is a way they were administering their operations at a national level because of their present prosperity. But after now, the interpretation of a season of danger was delivered. There is a way they began now to be told, you must be doing things like this. So sometimes, foresight, discernment of future events, it only comes to awaken the ignorant. But also it comes to reinforce the wise. You didn't get that. Foresight of future seasons, foresight of future events or times ahead, it comes to awaken the ignorant to action, to stir up the ignorant to action. But also it comes to reinforce, 
to reinforce the wisdom being established by the wise. Because already those that are wise were operating in a way which was prepared to meet this eventuality. So when the wisdom of Joseph is coming, it is just coming to reinforce. But in this case, the wisdom of Joseph was not to reinforce, but it was to awaken and to stay up. So some of what I'm going to be teaching, I'm going to be teaching to some it's, it stays up to action, but to some it's a reinforcement because already you have the way you are operating. And this, these teachings are coming to reinforce. You're on the right path, but you are being reinforced now. You are being encouraged. You are being shown that you are on the right direction and you must keep on doing what you are doing. So we embrace wisdom when it comes. But we must not always be on the path of being awakened out of ignorance. It's good also that wisdom meets us when we are applying it. And then it becomes a message of reinforcement. The parable of the ten virgins. Five were wise. Five were foolish. The question I can have. Is were the wise wise before? They put oil in their lamps and with the foolish, foolish before they neglected to put oil in their lamps. I don't know if you will hear me. Or are the expressions of wisdom and foolishness being tied to what they failed to do and what they did? Did they happen to be wise? And because they were wise, <laughs> they put oil in their lamps. Or they are called wise because they put oil in their lamps. Did they happen to be foolish before they put oil in the because before they chose not to put oil in their lamps? Or they are foolish because they chose not to put oil in their lamps. Think about that. When they were told the bridegroom is now coming, they found out that their oil had run out. They were ill-prepared they were ill-prepared. Mind you, before they found out that their oils, their oil in their lamps had run out, they were sleeping. Both the wise and the foolish were sleeping. Because those that practice wisdom 
even before it is demanded, may not exactly know the season of the demand of their wisdom. Those that practice wise living, even before it is demanded, may not exactly know when their wise living will produce a harvest. But when the foolish and the wise both awoke, then the wise knew this is the season why we were practicing wise living and now our wisdom is demanded to manifest. We are now going to benefit rather from our wisdom. But the foolish now began to see because they had no discernment of the needs of the season. But they had no discernment of the needs of the season. One, and they did not know when their oil will be required. So they couldn't apply wise living. Number one, they were, couldn't apply wise living. And number two, they, they, they were ignorant. They were sleeping. But even though both were sleeping, there was one party which was sleeping but prepared. Because you may not know the time the bridegroom is coming. But there is a preparedness that means he's coming. I hope you're getting that. You may not know the time the bridegroom is coming, but there is a full length. There is a preparedness which means he's coming. Going to my point to say, if Egypt was employing the strategy which Joseph had given them, if they were employing it before Joseph gave them the strategy, then when the revelation of the dream came, the wisdom of Joseph was just going to awaken them to say, ah, there's going to be a famine seven years ahead, but continue to do as you are doing. So to some, these teachings are reinforcements. To some, they are stirrings and awakenings. And to some, there will be future reminders to say our thoughts. To some, there will be future reminders to say that I was taught. So, going back to Matthew chapter number 6, verse 19, Jesus is saying, that their moths, their rust, and their thieves, their influences in the earth realm, which always fight value. Where value is, where there is a measure, or there is something which reflects value on the earth, there are always influences which are after it to consume it and swallow it. And when we are on this earth we have to be wise because financial instability as i said it doesn't openly advertise itself it needs to be discerned it needs to be discerned during the the late or during the the, the, the early 
or rather let's just say during the 1990s um in latin america we have a nation called argentina and uh if we if you know latin america we're talking about nations like brazil um bolivia peru ecuador um colombia the, the those types of 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 nations chile and um and others and argentina outperformed um most other latin american countries in terms of economic growth during the 90s but before this period of economic growth in the 90s they had a period in the 80s from 1980 to 1989 where they really were battling economically with high inflation in 1989 um their inflation levels reached to about 3080 percent percent their inflation levels reached up to about three thousand and eighty percent so they were in a hyper inflationary environment they were in an environment where it was extremely hyper inflationary now your inflation simply is a measure of the of the of the of the pace of rising prices or goods and services that's inflation the 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 rate the measure of rising or declining prices of goods and services and the hyperinflation is rising rising of inflation so hyperinflation is the rising of inflation and inflation is the measure of the price or the measure of the pace of rising prices and of goods and services so obviously hyperinflation is tied to inflation now so they were in a, in a seriously uh, hyperinflationary environment you can imagine if inflation is at 3080% those that are tuned to the frequency of what i'm saying it's 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 it's, it's not an, an easy environment some of you obviously you understand it from a, a practical experience level where we were part of an economy which was extremely inflationary so this is where they were in the 80s as argentina extremely high inflation so to tackle this um as a government they made some policy changes and economic reforms um which included um deregulating um the economy to allow for um to attract rather new investors new businesses um to come in um eliminating um rules and restrictions um in industries which were heavily 
um, regulated by government. Um, just an example of, let's say, an industry which is regulated by government. In almost every nation, the telecommunications industry is heavily regulated. You just don't easily um, get a license, let's say, to operate or to have a telecommunications uh, company. You, 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 you just don't easily get that license. It's heavily um, protected by government rules and regulations. Um, you'll find that even if a foreign company wants to break through into the telecommunications industry of a certain nation, it cannot break through and not cede a certain part of ownership of that, com of that company to the government or to locals. It can't work like that. It's a heavily regulated industry. So when we're talking about deregulation, we're talking about restriction, removal of restrictions which exist in certain industries. These restrictions are government rules and restrictions which make it very hard for even locals or for investors to get into that industry. So they deregulized the, the economy. They privatized state-owned enterprises so the, the the government began to sell enterprises um that they owned and were failing to manage were failing to to run they privatized them they lowered um trade restrictions they lowered trade restrictions um reduced trade barriers to stimulate all these were efforts to stimulate the growth of the economy now one other thing they also did was they 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 began to borrow um because of these initial uh because remember this is the bridge between 1989 going into the 90s then i'll explain why i'm giving you this example they began to try to address this hyperinflation by some of the things that I just mentioned. Now, they also began, because of these things, the IMF looks at these things, and also other nations will be looking and observing. The IMF commended um, Argentina for these changes that they made, deregulation, privatization of state-owned enterprises, lowering of trade barriers, they they were commended okay there is just a commendation to say they were on the right path and the united states and wall street or the stock market began to look favorably towards argentina as an emerging market not a developing market but an emerging market um a developing economy a developing country okay <coughs> Excuse me. Now, because now there is receptivity from the financial markets in the United States, the Argentinians used that goodwill to borrow um, U.S. dollars. So companies began to borrow. Um, and they became 
a leader in emerging market debt. Now, because now money was coming in in the form of the US dollars, companies also began to rise because they were using those that money which they were borrowing based on the goodwill that the efforts of the government was receiving to revive the economy, to resuscitate the economy, and the projections that other nations were seeing to say Argentina is on the right path, access to borrowing was released. So they began to borrow from um, institutions in the United States, and money began to come into Argentina via borrowing, but they became extremely dependent on foreign capital. One other thing which they did, which was key during that time, is that they then decided to peg the Argentinian peso, which is their currency, as one is to one with the US dollar. <coughs> Excuse me. So they pegged it as one is to one with the US dollar. Now the people could find that they could convert their local currency to US dollars. Um, one is to one. So they, it was now easy if they could go to the banks, convert their local currency to US dollars. This um, this access, or rather this change to pegging their local currency as one peso to one US dollar, it made US dollars freely available together with the level of borrowing um, which was existing between United States financial markets and, and Argentina itself and corporates in Argentina. Now, loans began to be given in US dollars because the US, dollars was free, the US dollar was freely available. People began to make US dollar deposits. So their economy began essentially to run on the US dollar. It's like they had adopted the US dollar. That became, together with the local currency, that became the currency of use because they were pegged together one peso one US dollar, it was the same. Now, between 1991, like I said in the 90s, economic growth, from the 1991 to 1997, it was a period of financial stability, a period of um, relative economic growth for Argentina. They were progressing they were doing well but enter into 1998 there were crises which happens which happened rather in in asia in russia and in brazil they had their own financial crisis in asia in 98 and, and russia also had their crisis 
and Brazil, which was a trading partner of Argentina, also had their financial crisis because nations who all always have periods of financial instability for many reasons, you know, for, for many other reasons which, which can happen. Financial instability can come upon nations for a, a various assortment of um, reasons. So there was a currency crisis in Asia, also in Russia and Brazil between 1998 to 2001. In that three-year period, Asia, Russia and Brazil um, had financial crisis or a period of financial difficulties. Now, because of these difficulties, Argentina, which was the leading borrower among emerging markets, the borrowing costs increased because obviously um, you don't, you're not getting given to borrow, you're borrowing at a cost. So the borrowing costs arose as they entered into 1998, 1999, 2001, 2000, 2001, that four-year period. Um, and the, these costs are rising and the borrowing costs are rising for Argentina rather as an offshoot of how economies are interconnected. So Argentina may have certain dealings with with Asia, certain dealings, obviously with Brazil as a trade partner, certain dealings with Russia. So all the markets that they may have dealings with, if they have problems, these problems can impact also subsequently on the operations of Argentina. And primarily the first point of impact or the first point of impact was that the cost of borrowing increased because there were regions which were under financial duress and stress. So Argentina now is competing with certain other territories which were not borrowing in order to in order to become to become stable again after they'd gone through which were not rather Argentina now was competing with certain territories which were not borrowing before. But because of crisis which had hit them at various points, some of them they have to go to other institutions like the IMF, some of them have to go to America where Argentina was mainly borrowing from. So you are now finding that there is increased um, competition for borrowing. It raises up the borrowing costs. You want to borrow, the cost goes up because now there are more of you who want to borrow in order to meet your obligations or to address whatever situations you may want to address. So now Argentina has increased cost of borrowing. Their trade partner, Brazil, because they're very close to each other and they are trade partners and obviously using natural sense, it's um, very it's easy and it's viable and it's normal for countries which are next to each other to become trade partners. Um, Swaziland and South Africa are trade partners. Um, Zimbabwe and South Africa are trade partners. Mozambique and South Africa are trade partners. So you'll find that countries in close proximity to each other, um, they establish 
partnership through trade. Now, Brazil also had pegged its currency to the US dollar as one is to one. Now, when they went through their financial crisis, they removed that peg, okay? They then exposed their currency to the, to the market forces. And now everything in Brazil, which was running on the strength of one is to one with the US dollar, is now running according to the true value of the Brazilian currency. So from one is to one, the peg is removed in Brazil. The currency, obviously, of Brazil depreciates. But in the depreciation of the Brazilian currency, it stimulated um, economic growth for Brazil because now exporters are finding it very much um, cheaper to position their, their goods or they are uh, to position their products in the market and all those countries which sell or which were exporting the same type of products as brazil just like as argentina did were now finding that they were falling behind in price competitiveness because brazil has released its currency, its currency has devalued to a point. They are now operating according to the real value of their currency. But now exporters are taking advantage of the lowered value or prices. And they've now become more viable than competing exporters in nations surrounding them. So Argentina has a borrowing cost problem. And after that, it's now falling behind its major trade partner, which whom it was competing with or whom it was working with before on a one-to-one -one basis. But also in the, in, the export, in the export market, they are falling behind nations around them whom are, or who are trading on the true value of their currency. So now other countries are able to offer, like Brazil, are able, able to, offer, to offer cheaper goods in comparison to Argentina. The prices of, subsequently the prices of um, agricultural export products, they fell. So if you're a nation like Argentina, you're depending on income which comes from what you send out what you are selling you are now forced to bring down your prices when you bring down your prices it means now what's going to happen is it affects the budget deficit rather it affects the income of the nation as compared to what 
the nation is sending out rather as compared to what the nation is spending because there has to be a positive or a very low budget deficit because most nations they spend more than they bring in but imagine now for an emerging market and an emerging nation that's trying to um, remain stable like Argentina, your export prices have fallen. So it means whatever allocation you had had to say, we estimate we're going to bring in this amount in this year and our budget is going to have a surplus. You are no longer going to have that surplus. You are probably going to have a negative, a deficit which means a nation, a budget deficit is when a nation spends more than it has brought in. The expenditure of a nation, the cost that a nation incurs are much, much more than what it has brought in. So all those external influences, rise in borrowing costs, um, their lowered value as a trade partner, they can't compete in the export space. It's lowering what they can bring in as a nation. Now, when there's a budget deficit, meaning the government has spent more than it has brought in, normally governments, they, they try, if they are going to follow proper channels, they must either... Put a policy which affects taxation in order to garnish more taxes in order to meet their deficit or they may approach external organization organizations supranational institutions like the IMF or the World Bank then they borrow money from there in order to cover for the gap between their expenditure and their income. So, that period tied also with poor fiscal policies which were implemented at that time by the Argentinian government and the economy failed to respond to the changes that they tried to put in place for a period of time. Why am I giving you this practical example? It's not a verse. It's not scripture. It's information that is out there. Okay? It's information you can read about. It's information you can research about. Why am I saying that? I'm saying that so that we may know. Because think about it. In Argentina, during this crisis, it didn't mean that they were not believers. It didn't mean that there were no tithers. There were no people calling upon the name of Jesus. There were no worshippers of God. No. That crisis came in a nation where people call upon God. It came upon a nation where there are tithers, there are givers, there are people who love God, who, sp who spoke in tongues, who support the work of God. But when it came 
How did it leave them? Did it find them prepared? Did it find them prepared? Did it find them prepared? When they were seeing the government overvaluating their currents, what did they do? Because at certain times they are pointers. The true value of the Argentinian currency was not reflected by the value that the government had placed. They overvalued the currency, placed it and tagged it as one is to one. But the economy was not as strong as the currency they tagged it with. And subsequently, though the, these policies can work for a time, there is a season where it can all unravel. So when things are going well, people are depositing their US dollars, taking loans in US dollars. The US dollars is awash in an economy. People will think we are prosperous. But it only took a period of 10 to 11 years of prosperity. But it only took a period of three to four years of confusion. That confusion, when it became so ingrained and settled, led to national upheaval. There were riots up to the point where during that economic crisis, because people were saying these guys, they are failing, failing to, to recover our economy. And people will be thinking of investments they made they'll be thinking of the loss of value they have incurred because now the thieves are at work the moth is at work the rust is at work because whenever there is economic chaos unemployment rates they go up homes begin to suffer businesses begin to struggle or banks can begin to struggle. Companies which had taken out debts, taken out loans rather, they struggle to pay them back. That's at a company level. At a national level, the international market saw that Argentina is no longer reliable. They closed out the ability for Argentina to, to continue to borrow. Now the nation, the nation, nation cannot borrow. Corporates cannot borrow. Loans which had been taken out by people, people are failing to pay back, being written off as bad debts. It becomes a mess of a, a, a mess of a season, a season of trouble, a season of confusion. So you can imagine now you're a child of God in such a country, in such a system where during that crisis four presidents 
in a short space of time. I'm not saying in four, four, four presidents. Do you know normally it takes 16 years, all things, be, if a president is to be changed after every four years, it will take us 16 years to have four presidents. In a very short period, there are four presidents. One coming in, failing, the protests rise. People say he must, he must go, he's failing. Within months, another comes in, they fail, another just resigns because they are seeing the precious four presidents. That's when you know. There are forces in an environment which can cause upheaval at any time. How prepared are we as children of God, saints of God? If financial instability hits the continent of Africa, how prepared are we? What practices are we employing today? What practices are we employing today? Which shows that we are very well prepared because there can be victory in a time of famine but it takes wise living and discernment we'll go into the depths of wise living continually probably into next week maybe starting tomorrow i don't know we'll go into the depths of wise living how to individually prepare and position ourselves Am I teaching this for any particular reason? Only because the Holy Spirit led me to teach it. I think and I just feel it's valuable information. We all experienced economic instability. The coronavirus came. How many were shaken financially? How many have lost their jobs? How many companies have closed? Just to show you, instability came behind the pandemic. Because it never advertises its coming as instability. It can use an event. Economic value is so sensitive to environmental influences. So, 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 so sensitive. A terrorist act can bring down the value of a currency suddenly. In America, when the trade, when the Twin Towers fell, the terrorist attack, a lot of companies lost. The nation was affected economically because investors, traders, people lose confidence in an environment which has no uncertainty, which has no certainty, rather. There are they, they, there is rust, there is moth, there are moths, there are thieves, which are always after stability. I'll end by saying this: there are even times where periods of peace and comfort can just preface a downward spiral, a downward trend. So the, the famine in Joseph's time 
it was hiding behind peace. There were prolonged periods of comfort beyond the seven years. There were many years of peace that Egypt had endured and faced. But during those prosperity, that prosperity, that peace, up to a certain period of time, famine struck. So it needs discernment. You can't only pick to say if this event happens, there may be destabilization economically. No. Even when there is prosperity and peace, things can just happen and cause financial upheavals. Why am I saying and teaching this that you may just gain wisdom and gain understanding? It is good for us to be learned. It is good for us to know. It is good for us to be prepared. I love you. We're praying for you. It shall be well with you. We hope to see you soon. Um, be enlightened, be, help, be helped, and take your time to listen to this word in Jesus' name. Tomorrow, the word shall come. Lesson number five. Um, we will go further, deeper, more practical, not just giving scriptures, but giving practical examples in the school of prosperity. God bless you.